number 11. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a moment. Hebrews 11. Thank you, ladies, for that song. That was a blessing. Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews 11. And there's going to be a word that I think is probably going to stick out in your mind from the passage that we're going to be reading from. And uh, that, that, this passage is known as the chapter of faith or the hall of faith in your Bible. And uh, that is because this chapter elaborates on the concept of faith. It defines faith. It, it shows us how to apply faith. Uh, shows us where it comes from, who the author of it is, and, and how great men and women of God used faith in their life to overcome. And uh, we're, we're not necessarily going to talk about faith, but rather a different word this morning. Look at Hebrews chapter number 11, because in this chapter you're going to find a, a different word sticks out as well. Look at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a what? Better country. A better country that is a heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Look, if you would, at verse number 32. Verse number 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, that's Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, some great men of God from the Old Testament, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight. You notice he's showing you all that they were able to accomplish because of faith. Look at verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a what? Better resurrection. A better resurrection. Look, if you would, at verse number 39. Verse number 39. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some, what? Better thing for us. What I want to talk to you about this morning is your life as a believer and how your life in Christ, your life is better. Your life, listen to me, is better today in Christ than it was when you were outside of Christ. And uh, we're going to elaborate and think about that a little bit this morning. And maybe you need some encouragement. Maybe you need to be reminded of it. Uh, maybe you don't, you've never been saved and you want to get it in on better. I pray that you get that today. Father, we ask your blessing on the word. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would help us to remove the the distractions and the things of this world, God, that will pull our minds away, help us to not just zone out and help us not to see this preaching time as a, as a ritual, Lord, that we just, this is the moment where we sit and we listen and that's all we do. Help us, Lord, to engage with the Holy Spirit of God that is speaking to hearts in here this morning. Lord, I pray that as you speak, that hearts would genuinely respond. 
And Lord, as, as these are coming today to get baptized and to, to join our church and just follow you in next steps of their life, God, I pray that you would bless them for doing so by faith, Lord, in walking in what is truly a better way forward. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Be seated if you would. Let me just say this much. Uh, as people, we make comparisons all the time. Sometimes our comparisons are right, sometimes they're wrong. Uh, God does that as well. Do you guys remember over there in Genesis chapter 4, you've got the first two brothers, you've got Cain and Abel, and you've got uh, Cain that is of that wicked one, as the Bible says in First John, and, and, and Cain uh, 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 brings of the fruit of the ground, he brings of the vegetables of the ground, if you will, and, and he brings it to God, and, and, and you know the story, Abel brings that lamb, and when Abel brings that lamb, the Bible says that God has respect under the offering of Abel. But he did not have respect under the offering of Cain. Now, if you study your Bible a little bit, the, the illusion, the, the, he alludes to the idea that fire came down as a sign of God's respect for one guy's offering, and no fire came down as a sign of a lack of respect or no respect for the other guy's offering. Now, you may go, well, I don't see why God would do that. Well, you're not God. And the second thing is this, God had given them instruction on what it was that he required for the sacrifice that was associated with their sins. And when they brought that sacrifice, it wasn't let me make up my own religion as I go. That's what the world does. And that's what religion is all about. Bible-believing Christianity goes like this, what did God say? Because whatever God said, that's better for me than what I have out there. And so Cain goes, I'll do it myself. I'll bring my own offering. I'll bring it how I want it. And God goes, no, thanks. You know what God did? God made a judgment call and said, this guy's sacrifice is better than this one's. You say, why? Number one, he's God. He can do that. Number two, he's trying to show us that want to follow him. Hey, there are moments in life where you are going to have to make a judgment call and discern between what is better for you and what is not. And let's be honest, the longer we live in this world, the longer time there is that passes that can allow us to be confused about what's actually better for us. Now, I don't believe in wrongful comparison, okay? I'm talking about, you know, real uh, uh, looking at the scriptures and going, this is what is better for me. But, but can I give you an example of that? Brother Caleb, can you kind of flip? Okay, this is an example, Okay. <laughs> So, so this right here is the original. This is the real thing. This is of the devil. This is your life before Christ. This is when you get saved, all right? That's what I'm trying to say, all right? And, and so, listen, I, those of you that aren't regulars around here, you don't know this, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of obsessed with the Haribo gummy bears. Uh, people ask me where you're from. I'm like, well, my family's from Puerto Rico. I was born in Berlin, Germany, but I call Colorado home. I've learned to say, I don't know where I'm from, but man, thank God I know where I'm going. <laughs> but but I, was, I was being raised in Germany, man. I ate these every day, and when I came to the States, I continued that habit. And when you see pictures of me in my childhood, you could see that I did eat them every day, all right? And, and so, uh, but I'll tell you what, this is not the same as this. This is better than this. Some of you may argue with me about that, and that's okay. It's America. You have the right to be wrong. That's totally fine. It's, you can choose whatever you want, all right? But, but as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord, all right? Can, can I give you another example of that which is inferior, okay? So let's say, let's say that... All right, so basically... 
take any other of the other, you know, 20-some, 30-some teams, and, and they would be better than this one, all right? And so, and so <laughs> I love you, Miss Lori. I love you. I said, hey, do you have any Green Bay Packers stuff? And she goes, yeah, I do. It's right here. Little did she know how it would be used. Yeah. But you understand, listen, there, there's, there are things that we can be kind of like, some things are, are like kind of trivial like that, but then there are things in your life that truly are better for you. But there's wrongful comparison. You know what wrongful comparison is? You comparing you to somebody else. That's wrongful comparison. Because the Bible says over in Corinthians, comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. I don't mean to pick on the young ladies, but young ladies, you do that to the nth degree. A girl walks in wearing the same dress, and it's like, mm, mm, mm. no, you don't. You get right out of here in the name of Jesus, right? You wore the same dress as me. I know you're trying to cop me. There's that, that automatic kind of like tension there, and you can kind of tell. Like, I, Listen, don't, don't look at me like that. Somebody look at me like, what are you talking about? Are you sexist? No, I just have three daughters and one on the way. And so I know a little bit about females, all right? And I'm married to one of your kind. And so... The, <laughs> There is that kind of comparison, right? And, and that's not healthy for you because as long as you're doing that, you're always chasing something and it's like chasing a shadow. You don't really know what it is, but what they've got is better and so you've got to have what they have and that's not healthy. It's not good for you emotionally, spiritually, mentally. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. There is rightful comparison. And you as a Christian are supposed to ask yourself questions like this. Is this habit better for me? Is my walk with God today better than it was yesterday? Am I closer or am I further? Is my passion and desire to tell people about Jesus Christ this week better than it was last week? These are legitimate questions that we should be thinking about in our lives. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look if you would. At verse number 12, now we have received, if you are a born-again child of God, this is you. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Can I get a witness there? That's a good thing. You got the spirit of God inside of you, all right, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but watch it, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, here is it in verse 13, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You as a child of God should look at where you're at today and go, God, is where I'm at in Christ better than where I was at when I was in the kingdom of darkness, when I was out in the world without hope, without God, lost, spiritually blind? I should do that every once in a while. I should stop my schedule and go, God, is where I'm at better today? And I can tell you right now, my life today is a thousand times better now than it was the day I got saved. It is better. You know why? Because life in Christ is better. But you know what happens sometimes? You kind of get your mind clouded and you don't have the ability to discern. And, and you know, the Bible says over there in Hebrews that as it relates to being skillful in the word of righteousness, strong meat belonging to them that are of full age, listen to this, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You live in a world that kind of wants to muddy up the waters and say, well, there's really no right, there's really no wrong. It's kind of like whatever you make of it. Let me tell you right now, there is such a thing as absolute truth. 
Because when you do something you shouldn't do, there's something in your conscience, even if you don't have a Bible that tells you this is not right. Which is why when you're a young person and your conscience is alive and well, before you, you, you basically uh, 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 sear it and, and make it useless in your life, as many adults do, and justify it through whatever you justify it through, as a young person, when you're going to do something you shouldn't do, here's what you do. And then you get older and you're like, well, you know, situational ethics, and it might be different here. And I, and I love when someone says there's no absolute truth, and then you kind of go, well, well, what about what Hitler did? Was that right or wrong? Well, what Hitler did, you know, he thought he was right. That's not what I asked you. Was it right or wrong? And eventually you got to pin him and they go, well, yeah, it wasn't right. Why not? Well, it's not right to take someone's life. Based on what? Well, you know, because humans, we shouldn't do it. Why shouldn't we? Animals do it. Animals kill each other and they eat each other. Why shouldn't we do that? What makes you different if you just came from a monkey? What makes you different? I'll tell you what makes you different. Your conscience is given of God and you have a soul that God made in his image that will live forever and you are not like the rest of the animal kingdom. And so you as, as a creature made in God's image, you are different than the rest of everything and there's something inside of you that says this is wrong. That's given you. That's a gift from God. And then if you get saved, oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit of God, the one that can discern right and wrong in different areas of your life that you couldn't see things before, he comes and dwells inside of you so you can understand spiritual things. The word discern means to have judicial cognizance. When, when Jonah, you guys remember the story of Jonah? You know the guy that gets eaten by a whale and then vomited up and all that kind of stuff? When Jonah goes to Nineveh and he preaches and he basically says... Uh, uh, yet in, was it eight days? How many days was it? I'm sorry, I can't remember. I just went blank. How many days was it? Nineveh shall be overthrown. Was it eight days? Anybody remember? Three days? Four days? Well, someone needs to read their Bible. I need to read my Bible, apparently. <laughs> 40 days. There you go. 40 days. That's right. It's the time of testing. Thank you very much. Yet in 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. It's, it, it's a real short message. He goes, point number one, you're lost. Point number two, you're lost. Point number three, you're lost. See you guys later. I'm mean, asked pretty much what Jonah does. You know how God describes the people of Nineveh? You know why God had compassion on them? Listen, they could, this is how he described them. They could not, it was 120,000 souls that could not discern between their right hand and their left hand. They couldn't tell what was what. Does that not describe kind of where we're at today? They, they, they could not tell what was what, what is up, what is down, what is right, what is wrong. And when you live in a society like that, what ends up happening is this, good is called evil, and evil is called good. And, and here's the problem, and you might go, yeah, you talk about society, you go get them, preacher. What about you? Well, listen, let me say it like this, are there not moments in your life where you go, well, I, I think this is better for me just because, and you leave God out of it, leave the Bible out of it, you ignore the Holy Spirit of God, and you find out that what you thought was better was not. Anybody ever been there? You know what we call that in layman's terms? It's called stupid tax. It's you going, I know what's best for me. I'll figure it out on my own. And if you do that for long enough, here's what eventually you'll do. You'll start redressing in your mind how great it was before you were in church and how easy it was on Sundays. And we didn't have to run around Sunday morning. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I get pregnant wife and, you know, a bunch of kids. And every once in a while, a kid runs through my house. I'm like, is that one of ours? I don't even know. And... You know, and, and all the animals and everything else. I'm like, you know what would be easier for me? Not coming to church on Sunday. Matter of fact, you know what I might convince myself of? It would be better if I didn't have to. So you're like, oh, oh, 
shock and horror, the preacher said he's not coming to church. Well, it would be easier. And in our minds, sometimes easier becomes better. And you lose that judicial cognizant, the ability to discern what is actually better in your life. Can I say it like this? God is not the author of confusion. And God wants you to be able to distinguish and to discern that which is actually better for you versus that which it was or is worse for you. Can, can, I, can I give you some things that you want? Look at Hebrews chapter number 8 this morning. Hebrews chapter number 8. Can I, can I say this? Now that I'm saved in Christ, and if you're with me on that trip, all right, uh, can I say this? If you are saved, you have a better promise than that which you had in the world. Right? Now, let, let's be honest about it. Does the world not have a lot of promises? Are, not, are, are, are there not a lot of empty promises out in the world? You know, just one won't hurt. That's a lie. You know, no one's going to find out. That's a lie. Especially in the age of social media. Everybody's up in everybody's business. You're gonna, someone's going to find out. You know, I love it when someone's like, I can't believe what someone said to me. I'm like, what happened? Well, I posted this thing, and then they said this. I'm like, so you made it public, and they responded? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's kind of how that works. What I'm getting at is this. The world has all these things that they're going to promise you, and they're going to throw things out and say, you know what? This is, this is going to be your happiness. If you take part in this, this will bring you closer to what you really want in life. A lot of empty promises. God is different. Look at Hebrews chapter number 8. Hebrews chapter number 8. Uh, look, if you, were, uh, if you would, at verse number 5. Who serve under the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle for see, saith he, that I'll make all things according to the pattern, to the, uh, uh, pattern show to thee in the mount. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator, watch this, talking about Jesus Christ, of a better covenant which was established upon better what? Aren't you thankful for the promises of God? Listen, I, I want to ask you all to pray for Brother Jerry Warzinski. Some of you know him, some of you don't. Uh, he's up in years. Uh, uh, Sarah's his granddaughter, and, and Jerry and Ruth moved to Indiana to be around family, have that support. And Jerry's not really doing so well right now. Matter of fact, they think he has hours to live. Would you guys pray for him? And, and we're not praying that, you know, necessarily that God keeps him here for another 20 years. His time, is, his course is run. What we're praying for is that it might be smooth, that he might not have to suffer long, that he might get called. But here's what I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt. Whatever happens between now and the last moment that he takes his last breath, I, I cannot foresee that. But this much I know, absent from the body, is present with the Lord. And so when someone dies in Christ, they have the promise of eternal life. You know what that makes? That allows us to sorrow, not as the world sorrows. When I look over the casket of a loved one that died as a believer, I don't say I'll never see them again. I say, see you soon, brother. See you soon, sister. Why? Because I've got a promise from God, and that promise is eternal life. And some of you kids that are raised in church and have heard this your whole life, the temptation is for you to take it for granted, and you better not. You don't know. Some of you don't know what it's like to put your head on your pillow and have the guilt and the baggage and the sin and the skeletons in the closet haunting your mind and your heart. And thank God that you don't. But for those of you that do, aren't you thankful you don't have that hanging over you anymore? Aren't you thankful you're looking forward to something better <laughs> up in glory? We have, a, we have better promises 
in Christ. You know what we have? We have the promise of eternal life. Brother Sean taught about this in Sunday school in the Old Testament. You know, you know what the sacrifices could do? Those sacrifices could atone for sins. The, the, the atoning, and if I can just put it in layman's terms, is to cover those sins. But do you know what happens? Sin kind of gets up and moves around and runs around a little bit. Sin's kind of got a life of its own. Sin kind of gets in our life and kind of moves around. And, and so you know what sin doesn't do? It doesn't just lie there on the altar. So you cover that thing and then it gets up and moves around and you got to bring it back and go, okay, God, I got to bring another offering, another sacrifice to atone, to cover my sins. And let me just tell you right now, I am so thankful that in the New Testament, when Jesus showed up, John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God, not that covers the sin, but takes away the sin of the world. When he showed up, man, I'm thankful because you know what that means for me? That means all of my sin and all of my pride and all of my envy and all of my gossip and all of my lust and all of my sin is cast behind the very back of God himself. Why? He took away my sin so I can have eternal life. How about this? You ever heard this before? Vote for me and I will. I'll lower taxes, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll make everyone live forever, and, and uh, I'll stop the, the rising seas, you know, and uh, I'll bring peace to the entire world. And let me tell you something. Eventually, there's a guy, a guy that's going to show up on the scene that says all the right stuff, and the whole world's going to follow him right to hell. And that man's called the Antichrist. You can learn about that in your Bible. That's not the, the uh, subject matter uh, uh, today, but I'll say this much. The world is filled with empty promises. God's aren't. Can you, I want you to take a trip with me. Look at John chapter 3. Let's take a trip to the Gospel of John. Shall we do that? John chapter 3. Some of you know this verse so well, and I'm thankful that you do. John chapter 3. As you turn there, let me read from 1 John chapter 2. How many of you got saved recently, opened up your Bible, started reading the Gospel of John, and then someone says, you got to go to 1 John, and you went to the Gospel of John. They start reading, you're like, whoa, whatever you're reading ain't the same thing. Because 1 John is toward the end of your Bible. The Gospel of John is right there, the fourth book in your New Testament. Look at John chapter 3, and look, if you would, at verse number 15. John chapter 3, verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? That's a promise from God. Uh, Look at verse 16, and most, most of you could quote this. Matter of fact, if you can quote it, quote it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. When does everlasting life end? Does it? And that's a promise from God. Listen, we bought my wife's 2015 Chevy Tahoe. It's an older vehicle. We understood it was older. It had a high miles on it, but it was in great condition. And we bought that thing uh, a year ago, and, and we've had it in the shop. This is the third time now. You know why? Because stuff made by man is made to break. Stuff that we say breaks, and the promises that we try to extend to others, they don't always hold. But man, when God makes a promise, it sticks. I'm thankful he doesn't change his mind one day and go, you know what? I don't know about those people. I'm glad God doesn't wake up in a bad mood. (laughs) The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. The world's going to have messages for you too, though, Christian. How about this? You're missing out. You're right. I'm missing out on grief and on heartache 
and on sin and on guilt. I, I mean, there, there's not been a happy hour that, I've, that I've, I've not gone to where I felt like, oh my gosh, I just wish I could be there to watch my coworkers act like idiots. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, it's not, you know why? Because with the life I have in Christ now, it is better than what I could have had out there. <laughs> God's promises are better. How about this? The very presence of, if you're a believer, you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Here's what the Bible says to you. Uh, The Bible says of Jesus Christ speaking to you as a believer, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. How about this? Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. How about this? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. (laughs) How about this one? But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, Go to Romans chapter number eight. I want you to see this promise from God yourself. My relationship with God will last forever, not because of me, but because of him. (laughs) Romans chapter number eight. And again, a verse that many of you could quote, but I, I want you to see it for yourself. Look at verse 38. When someone says, I am persuaded, that means, man, I'm confident. (laughs) For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. In in the event that that he didn't cover all that, he goes, nor anything else, (laughs) nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ, I've got better promises than I had out in the world. And if you're a child of God, you know what you can sing? No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, just the book to the right of where you're at in Romans. 1 Corinthians 1. Can I say this? I've got a better message. I've got a better message. You know what? There's a lot of messages out there. Uh, there maybe there's, there's, uh, there's BLM. Then there's MAGA. There's the donkey versus the elephant. Are you with me? All right, there's the political messages out in the world. Uh, Here's one, YOLO. (laughs) You only live once. I love this. I I, want to get a bumper sticker that says YOLO dot, 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 but after this, the judgment. (laughs) Hebrews 9.27. But but the, the world has its messages. The world says tolerance and acceptance, and what that really means is we're only going to tolerate one way of thinking and one way of doing things, and if you don't get on this, on this bus, we don't want you around. That's what that means. There's hidden messages in there. Here, let me just say this right now. As a Bible-believing Christian, you could spit in my face. You could say you hate God. You could say everything I say is a lie, and I'd go, okay. And I won't yell, and I won't shout in your face. You know why? Because I'm not worried about it. Because I've watched this book, I've watched God's promises play out in my life. And you know what I've learned? I've got a better message than any message this world has. First Corinthians chapter 1, look if you would at verse 13. Is Christ divided? What was, was Paul crucified for you? How, how, let's put this in modern lingo. Was Pastor Adrian crucified for you? Was that preacher that you don't like, you know, was that preacher crucified? Was this other preacher that you love, was he crucified for you? No, the answer is no. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? The answer is no. I thank God that I baptized none of you. Now, we're going we're gonna to be baptizing folks in a little bit, but I want you to look at verse number 17. God did not send us here, and I'm not here, simply to give you a message about baptism. 
the message that I have is, is that the only reason why baptism means anything is because of the message that I'm, I'm going to tell you about here in just a moment. It's called the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. The death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. That one event that changed the entire world forever. Amen. That's the message that we're here to preach. You say, what is that? That is a better message than any other message the world has. Let's try this one on for size. All right. Uh, how about this one? Be a good person. Now, that sounds good. Let me ask you a question. What's the standard? Who makes that rule? If I'm better than Joe, does he go to hell? What if Joe's better than Steon? Does Joe get in and Steon go to hell? Do I? How, who, who decides what's good? I read in this book that the Bible says there's none good. No, not one. There's none that doeth good. There's none that seeketh after God. So when, said, when someone says, the world says, be a good person, uh, okay, I'm trying. Now, now what do I do? How, how, how do I be a good person? When the world says, uh, yeah, you know, if you want to go to heaven, get baptized. Can I say this? This water can't save you. <laughs> the world's gotten, religion has all kinds of ideas about, here, here's one, uh, live a good life, uh, do as best as you can, and let's hope, let's all hope, let's cross our fingers, let's throw pepper behind our backs, let's do, rub the, the rabbit's foot, and let's just hope that whenever I get to heaven and stand before God, that my good outweighs my bad. First off, can I ask you a question? Do you have a personal accountant that's keeping track of all that? Um, brother, no, Brother Sean ain't going to keep track of that. He can keep track of numbers, but he ain't tracking that. <laughs> he, you understand? When people say that, don't even think through it. How would you keep track of that? And what if you have more good than somebody else? Does that exclude them? You see, there's, there's, that's a moving target all the time. These are messages that the world puts out there. And you know what they are, honestly? There are good people. I, I mean, listen, not from a, the, the, the standpoint of comparing someone to God, because when we're compared to God, none of us are good. Amen? But between ourselves, there are some great people. I mean, good people. They live good lives by people's standards. Who that, That's the only message they got. They don't know anything else. Hey, Ariana. Hey, Leonard. Lenny. People you go to school with. A lot of them. The ones you might at times, I remember being in school and I remember kind of, you know, kind of getting nervous in my stomach when I talk about God and I'm like, what are they going to say about me? What are you going to think about me? Uh, listen, understand this much. If you never say anything to them, that's all they're going to ever know. An inferior message, a message with holes in it. But we're here to preach today and, and what, what, what's going to change Warren's life and what changed Carlos's life and what changed your life if you're saved today is the message of the gospel. It is a message of redemption as we learned in Sunday school that God would look at you broken and sinful and undone and he would compare you to a sinless man. The Bible says of Jesus Christ, he was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. That God would look at you and see that you just don't measure up to his son and he would still say, I still love them. I want to deal with them. I want to speak to them. I want to have a part in their lives. I care about them. I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, to die in their place. What a great God and what an awesome message to preach the rest of your life. I could do worse. I look over my life this week. I was at summer camp. I got to be honest with you. On, on Friday night, I just, I was buckets. I was tears. I was li- ugly crying, snot, all of it. You say, why? I was thinking about where I'm at. I'm in some place. I wasn't even in Ohio. Technically, it was Michigan where I was at. The camp was called Mishindo. I thought it was like a Native American name. No, it's Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, all put together. <laughs> I was like, tell me, what does this name mean? Is it like, what does it mean? They're like, no, dude, it means Michigan, Indiana. Like, oh, okay. Now, 
I didn't know where I was at half the time, but I was standing there on Friday night looking at these young people and seeing them get things right with God and seeing them at the altar and seeing God work in their lives. And I thought to myself, God, how did I get here? Oh, that he would let me have any part in that at all. You know why? Because one day someone gave me the gospel. That woman right back there in the corner, her husband kneeled with me right over here on this side of the altar at Silver State Baptist Youth Camp and he explained the gospel of Jesus Christ to me and my life has never been the same. You know what I have? I have a better message. This message causes kings to tremble like it did with Felix. It causes men to come out of the darkness and into the light. It changes murderers like the Apostle Paul and makes them into the caretakers of the souls of men. That's what this message does. It brings peace to the anxious, joy to the angry, and it changes lives and continues to do so. Can I ask you a question? What would make Elvin, my dear brother, mi hermano dominicano, what would, what would, what would cause a man to want to walk around Aurora and slip little pieces of paper on people's windshield. Now, if you got one of those, don't go upset at him, all right? He's trying to help you. What would cause a man to want to do that when he can? It's a message that changes life. What would cause someone to go, I want to take you know, a couple days of my life this summer, and I, I, I want to go stand at this booth at the fair, and, and I want to tell people about this message about a man that I've never met that I can't wait to meet someday. You know what causes that? The radical transformation in your life that takes place when you hear that message and you receive that message and you allow the Holy Spirit of God to come into you and change you from the inside out all because of that message. Can I ask you a question, Christian? If you were a living billboard for that message, would your life read like that message does? Can I ask you this? Do people look at your life and go, that's a better life? That's a better message. Man, all these people over here, they hold grudges and they get bitter and they hold on to stuff forever. And this Christian, man, I tell you what, man, uh, Sister Lacey, I tell you what, she, someone did her wrong and she said, that's okay, it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care about it. You know why? Because God has done so much for me. He's forgiven me of so much. You say, what does that do? It changes how you deal with others. Yeah. Because when you stand there and you consider how much sin and the debt that you owed before God and how he wiped it all clean, that should make you look at others a little bit differently. It's the best message you could ever preach. The Bible says, ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Can I ask you Christians a question? If your conversation and your lifestyle should be as it says in Philippians, as it becometh the gospel of Christ, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, do you do the things that you do in light of that? Do you say the things that you say in light of the gospel? You're a big billboard for Jesus Christ's message. You know that, right? Do you abstain from certain things because of the gospel? You ought to. You ought to. Listen, I'm not here, oh, legalism, he told me I can't, I didn't even tell you what you can't do, and you're already throwing out that thought in your head, it's, I can see thought bubbles popping up everywhere, listen, the, the, just because there are things, that, listen, you tell your kids, brush your teeth, can you please do that, tell them to brush their teeth, <laughs> brush your teeth, hold hands when you cross the street, hey, don't drink and drive. I mean, these are things that we say, right? Why? Not because we want to put someone in bondage. We want them to live a happy and long life. There are some things, if you want to make a difference for Jesus Christ, that you as a believer 
should abstain from, that you as a believer should engage in, because your life is like a big billboard for the gospel. How about this? Look at John chapter 9. I've got a better identity. John chapter 9. We live in a world that is really struggling with this right now, this matter of identity. And, and look, I, I know it's a controversial topic. I'm, I'm not even really teach on it or preach on it. But I, I'm simply going to say this. The reason why people are struggling with that is not because of the Lord. God is not the author of confusion. There's something else at work when, when people are wrestling with their identity. And I'm not just talking about what you think I'm talking about. I'm talking about you as a Christian. You know what some of you do? You get saved. You start getting in the word of God. You start getting in the church. And then you realize, wait a minute. If I'm going to keep following Jesus Christ, that means some people aren't going to like me. It would be easier if I identified like I used to on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then identify as a Christian on Sunday. That's called religion. That's not called a relationship with God. Look at John chapter number 9. John chapter number 9. You see what happened here. Well, there was a man that was born blind, and I'm going to give you the synopsis. Jesus Christ heals him. And so I want you to notice, now, remember grammar class, present tense, past tense, future tense, all right? Miss Virginia, I paid attention in your classes some nearly 30 years ago. But, but look, if you would, at John chapter 9, and uh, look, look, if you would, at verse number 13, about, about how it describes this man. They brought to the Pharisees him, the man that was healed, that aforetime, what's the next word? He was blind. That's past tense, is it not? All right, look if you would at verse number 20. Verse number 20, they go to ask the parents about their son that was healed. His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. Uh, look if you would at verse 25, they weren't content with the parents' answer, so they go to the blind guy himself directly and they ask him. He answered and said, verse 25, whether he, Jesus, be a sinner or not, or no, I know not. In other words, I don't know what it is you guys, what your agenda is with asking me this question. I don't know what you're trying to find out, but this much I can tell you. Look at verse 25. One thing I know, and if you're saved, you ought to know this. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. You know what that is? Look, look my identity is, is this. This is who I was before Christ, B.C., this is who I am on this side of the cross. This is what I identified with before I was saved. Man, but my identity now, listen, young people, never let them tell you, here's one of those goody two-shoe Christians, aren't you? You think you're better than everybody else. No, I think I was such a bad sinner, I needed a savior, and I'm thankful in my life that God gave me parents that tell me to stay away from certain things because my life is better for it. You gotta be able to say that with confidence. You know, so much pressure on our young people, and not just young people, some of you old people as well. <laughs> you go to work, and it's kind of like this. Where's the tissue box? We got any tissue left, Brother James? Here, here's, here's your lunch, right? Here, lunch on your table. And what are you supposed to do before you eat your food? What do you do? Pray, yeah, right? He knows, they know. All right, so I'm gonna pray, but man, everybody's around me, so I'm just gonna kind of knock my... Oh, oh, Jesus, bless us, Lindsay's name, man. <laughs> Why? Because I just, you know... Man, what are you identifying with? 
You are, listen, if you're a born-again Christian, you are a born-again, blood-bought, sanctified child of the king. (laughs) Why would you want to identify any differently? God has given you this gift, and he's given you a new identity. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Can I ask you, do you ever struggle with your identity as a Christian? Because as a Christian, you should stand firm on that and say, you know what? I was blind. I was this. I was that. But man, this is who I am now. I heard this song years ago, now and then an old friend of mine I've not seen in some time. Will stop by and ask me, where have you been? What's on your mind? They wonder why I'm not drinking and still painting this old town red. This is an old preacher that wrote this one year after he reflected on his life. And man, he made a mess in that town before he was saved. I tell them I'm serving Jesus now and the old man is dead. The man you see before you may look a lot the same. I may wear the same old clothes and have the same old man, but you're looking on the outside. If you could see inside instead, you would see a brand new man because the old man is dead. Paul says it this way over in Corinthians. He says, Know ye not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor revilers, nor drunkards, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. You better never forget where God brought you from. And some of you are like, well, I got saved in Sunday school when I was five, you know, and, and the worst thing I did at that point was steal a cookie from mommy. Well, then you better never forget where God, uh, what God rescued you from, what could have been your existence, what could have been your future. How do you identify, Christian? Let me say this. You have a better identity. And can I say this in closing? You have a better life. Jesus says, the thief cometh not but for to kill, kill and steal and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Peter, when he's released by the angel of the Lord from the prison where he was held by the Pharisees, that angel says, go, stand, and speak the words of this life. You know what that means? The world is looking at us going, is that a better life? I sure hope I say yes. I sure hope that my actions and my spirit and my mind and and my desires and my goals would point them. You say, why? Because over there in the book of Numbers, when the, the children of Israel had come out of Egypt and God parted the Red Sea and drowned the army of Pharaoh, if you never read the Bible, have you at least watched the movie, all right? And he drowned the armies of Pharaoh in that, in that Red Sea, and then God brought them through on dry land and brought them on the other side of that and fed them miraculously from heaven with manna, and God took care of them, and he watched out for them, and he protected them, and then he blessed them and brought them into that promised land. In between all of that, once they got through the Red Sea, do you know what they said? Man, this old man is getting old. Man, I I know God brought it from heaven, but you know what I really want? (laughs) Well, listen, if I'm I'm one of those people, I wouldn't be like, oh, I miss the leeks and the onions. That's what they're talking about. I mean, if you're going to say that you miss something, say, I I miss a spicy chicken Chick-fil-A sandwich with fries and Chick-fil-A sauce. Amen? (laughs) Some of you are hungry right now. Sorry, it is closed on Sunday. (laughs) 
Do you know what those people think? You know what they said? Oh, man, but back then, we ate this and we ate that. And, and here's the funniest part of all that numbers. We ate this food in Egypt. Here's the best word, freely. You're slaves. You did nothing freely. You go, well, well, now, as a Christian, I'm told to do certain things. And so I feel like God's making me a No, God's not going to make you a servant. But let me just say this much. For all of your life, you will always be serving something. You'll either be serving sin and, and unrighteousness, or you can be free from sin so that you can serve God. But, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is the better life. <laughs> it's a life of purpose, a life with God's presence, a life with God's direction, a life that is eternal and a life that someday will experience the resurrection. I have a better deliverer, better standard, a better book, a better reward up there, and a better resurrection someday. You know who the Lord is? He's the best thing that ever happened to me. Lord, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. You are better. I want to take a moment this morning before we dismiss and go on to the baptism. I want you to, to watch a video. Some of you have seen it. Some of you have not. And just listen to some of the people in this church in regards to how this life, being a born-again child of God. we got some getting baptized in a moment. You know what they're saying? This is the better life. Following Jesus is the better life. You may have in your mind these, these questions, these concerns. Well, what if I can't live it? Well, you're not going to live it in sin, I can tell you that. You won't live it on your own. You'll never be able to live anything without God himself. Right. Quit worrying about whether you can live up to that. There, the only standard is this. You're a sinner. You don't measure up, but God will give you his righteousness for free. He will take your sin on Jesus and take the righteousness of Jesus and put it on you. The best deal you could ever have in your entire life. And he'll do it for free. It won't cost you a thing. You won't even have to get baptized to have that. You can have that for free today. What a blessing that is. Can I say it like this? That is the best life. Brother, if you would. After graduating high school and going into college is when I really, really got lost in the world. I started partying, I was drinking, I was just going down a very, very dark path at that point in time when I was, uh, you know, in my 20s. As I got a little older, um, I started getting into different activities. I did get involved into the sport of bodybuilding. I got to the point where I became a professional bodybuilder. I took it to that next level. I was beyond consumed with what I looked like, a very extreme sense of narcissism. During this point in time, my wife and I were recently married. We were going through a lot of difficult obstacles. We had a lot of marital issues. Um, we were both drinking a lot, um, always getting into arguments, and then just threatening, oh, well, you know, this is, this is over. I don't want to do this anymore. And then um, we had tried to start a family, thinking maybe that might bring us closer together. Um, and then we ended up trying three times, 
three miscarriages, um, and um, it just wasn't working. There was a lot of blaming accusations towards one another of why the baby didn't grow. Then during COVID, my only outlet, because everything was closed, was to go play golf. I started playing with a member of New Heights Baptist Church, a friend or brother of mine named Dave. One day he asked me, hey, um, brother, would you like to uh, come to Bible study? And when I came to Bible study, I just listened to Pastor Adrian, just absorbed everything he said, and it all related to my life. At that point in time, I started telling my wife. I was very hesitant on coming. He asked me, and I'm like, no, I'm gonna go hang out with my sisters. Um, I'll see you after church when you get back home. Um, and so finally, I know God had put it on my heart and said, you need to go with your husband. And so I finally went with him and we had attended a couple services. I remember the pastor coming out to us, asking us, hey, do you guys have a minute to talk? And um, I kind of looked at him like, what do we say? <laughs> Let's hurry up and get in the car. <laughs> uh, but no, we said yes. Uh, we sat and talked down to the pastor. And that afternoon, um, he opened up the Bible with us and we got saved. After that, and through lots and lots of prayer, after our third miscarriage, we were able to have a very healthy pregnancy. And I know for a fact that it all has to do with, with Jesus Christ. Our God, you know, if just praying every day for a healthy baby and It changed my marriage. It changed my outlook on things. It changed my entire meaning in life. I now have a very personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we just live every day to try to glorify him. Um, we're all sinners. We sin every day, but without having Jesus die for our sins, we just wouldn't have the things that we have today. I've now just fallen truly in love with the Bible and the words of Jesus Christ and learning what salvation really means. Know, through faith and faith alone, not through works, not through sacraments. It just wouldn't be the same if Jesus wasn't in our life. Yeah, I know. That's just one. There are other stories. Plenty of them in this room. You know what this is? This is the best life. Amen. Not because of us, but because of him. Let's all stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you this afternoon and we thank you for Jesus Christ and
Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, doesn't know what it means to be saved, that today could be the day of their salvation. And God, I pray for every believer that's here, Lord, that they would not lose sight of the fact that this is the best life. Lord, it is better in Christ than being outside of Christ. Lord, maybe it's just, maybe some believers need to just come and just say thank you and, and take a moment before moving on the rest of the day and the activities, Lord, and just stop and say, God, thank you for saving me. God, thank you for giving me a better life. God, thank you for giving me direction. God, thank you for giving me purpose. Lord, at times we get enamored with the things of this world and it's easy to get confused about where things were better now or back then. And God, this is the better life. If the Lord's spoken to you, believer, the altar is open. Take advantage of it. Speak to your heavenly Father. Thank him for the better life that you have. Maybe, the, maybe what you need to talk to God about is, God, help me to show this better life to the rest of the world in a better way. Lord, help me to identify with you over the world. God, help me to, to not run from this identity, Lord, but to embrace it. Lord, to blaze this better message abroad, this message of hope, this message of redemption. Lord, we have a better God, a better Savior. Thank you for loving us enough to die for us. I was at that camp the other night and the tears were just flowing because I, I knew who I'd be without God. And I don't even like thinking about it. It's better <laughs> to be saved than it is to be lost. It's better to be a new creature in Christ than to be living in the old things. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to throw out a simple question. And that simple question is this. Are you confident today that if you died, you know where you'd be? You are 100% sure that if you died, you'd be in heaven. If that's you, would you raise your hand and go, yep, I know. I remember when I asked Jesus Christ to save me. That's a blessing. A lot of hands up. Well, let me just ask this question. If you're not sure, you're not sure where you would go, you're not sure what your fate would be eternally, would you at least consider the best life? It's eternal and it's abundant. It's amazing. It is awesome. See, how do you get that life? By acknowledging you're a sinner, by understanding that there's a payment for your sin, and by understanding that God loved you enough to take that payment on himself so you wouldn't have to. And if you're willing to receive that gift by faith, you can simply ask Jesus Christ to save you today. 
If you have any questions about that, I, I'll say it this way. With every head bowed, let's do this for sake of privacy. Every eye closed. If you're here and you're not sure, you're not sure you're going to heaven, you're not sure what it means to be saved, but you'd, you'd, you'd like to know that. Would you be honest enough with no one looking around? Would you be honest enough just to slip your hand up real quick? Maybe just lift your eyes this way. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this. If you raise your hand, if you have questions about that, before you leave today, please, please come to me. I'd love to open a Bible and show you what it means to be saved. Let, if not me, maybe ask a friend. Maybe a friend invited you to church. Say, hey, what, how can I know this? And I'll say it like this. The moment you ask Jesus Christ to save you, that never changes. You might sin. You will sin again. <laughs> but your soul is clean. It is the greatest decision of your life. That song he's playing is called Thank You, Lord. Brother James, would you mind coming up and leading that song? Thank you, Lord. I believe it's in the blue hymnal, right? 220? All right. Those that are getting baptized, oh, moms, if you have babies in the nursery, please go get